What a joy it is to be here tonight. Seeing some brethren I hadn't seen in a while. Some folks came over from the Pine Grove Way. Some folks from from West Virginia. Uh, they didn't come all the way to hear me, but they, they're on the way to see family. But it's just so good to see everyone out tonight. And even on this dreary evening, there's this there's this desire to praise God and to worship Him as you've just been doing, we've all been doing, and to have this opportunity to study the Word of God together. What a, what a glorious evening it is. I want to encourage you to take hold of your Bibles. We're going to be going to the book of 1 Corinthians to begin with tonight. 1 Corinthians, the, the second chapter. You know, Lord willing, I, you know, I've done it in the previous work I was at. As you know, I, I was in Newburgh, Indiana for 11 years, and we did a TV program and, and uh, on a major network. And so, last, uh, since September 1st, we moved to, um, September, uh, to, um, the, where did I move to? Yeah, St. Louis. And, we're about to start a TV program there, Lord willing, come January. And uh, tonight's lesson is just one of those things, man. I just, I just really would love everybody to hear this sermon. Uh, it's just, it's just every once in a while I preach a sermon. I'm, I'm saying, you know, if I was ever on uh, uh, ABC or NBC on a Friday night at seven o'clock uh, prime time, what sermon would you preach? Man, well, there's just, there's just certain ones you just say, well, I'd like, I'd like to preach that one. I like to preach this one. Well, this is one of those lessons I'd love to preach. Why? Well, I'm going to tell you in just a few moments. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We were just singing about that. Singing about our Lord. We want everybody to know about Jesus. We were discussing the other night when we talked about, or the other morning, the, uh, the Ethiopian. And now Philip went to him and he opened up the Scriptures in Acts chapter 8, verse 35, and it says, and he preached Jesus to him. We want to preach Jesus to people. One more passage is found over in the book of Philippians, just to emphasize how important it is that we want people to learn about Jesus. Bottom line. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, it reads, the former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I, re- uh, I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. People need to hear about Jesus. And religious people in general, of the religions that are in the world today, So many of them want to preach about Jesus also. But tonight's lesson is simple. You can't preach Jesus. We just read those verses. You can't. Oh, they want to. No, the religion I came out of, man, they preach Jesus. And a lot of people that we study with, you know, they go to different religious groups. They they want to preach Jesus and they want to tell me about Jesus. But I'm telling them... You can't preach Jesus. You can't do it. And they're wondering, why can't you do that? Because there's so many passages in the Bible that say how important it is to preach about Jesus. Well, here's the point. So many want to preach Jesus, but they want to preach Him in part. And I'm going to tell you what, you can't preach Jesus without, number one, you can't preach Him without preaching about the Father. Now, there'll be people that want to talk about, they'll talk about Jesus in their preaching and their teaching, Oh, now go to Hebrews chapter 1, for example. In Hebrews chapter 1. You know, I have people knocking on my door and they want to talk to me about, uh, they want to talk to me about, uh, Jehovah God. And I was, well, 
I want to talk about Jehovah. You know, I want to talk about God our Father. You know, but we want to talk about God the Father and, and talk about God the Son. We're going to make reference to that in just a few moments. But they want to emphasize the one. You know, people talk about uh, 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 Allah. You know, I want to talk about Allah. You know, and they want to talk about you know the the the, the God that, that may have created this world that they talk about. And they say, well, well, we want to talk about Jesus too. Well, and we say, you know what? They go hand in hand is what we want them to understand. And if you want to talk about Jesus as just being a good person, or Jesus being a created being like a, like an angel, I've, I've been told. I'm telling you, you can't preach him. Tell him that without preaching about the Father. And Hebrews chapter one tells us in verse eight, verse eight, but to the Son he says. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You know John 1, 1, right? Uh, you know, we have the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then move down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Notice what Jesus said in His prayer in John 17. If you turn over there quickly, John chapter 17. Look what we have beginning in verse 1. Now, I can appreciate people saying that they want to talk about Jesus, but they need to really understand what goes hand in hand. And if you're going to preach about Jesus, you have to preach about the Father. And they go together. Verse 1 says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son, that Your Son also may glorify You, as You have given Him authority over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as You have given Him." And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourselves, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to men whom you have given to me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Yeah, I want to talk about God. I want to talk about God the Father. You want to talk about Him? That's wonderful. But you, you, you know, we need to talk about Jesus. And if you're going to talk about Jesus, you're going to have to talk about the Father. They go together. Let's look, notice a, a, a couple more passages on this. Well, one more will suffice because we've got a lot of points to cover this evening. Let's go to John chapter 8, if you would. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 8. And listen to what Jesus admonished here. And, and, we'll, and verse 19 will suffice. Verse 19 will suffice, where he says, Then they said to him, Where is your father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. Wow! That's amazing. And somebody says, You know, I, I want to talk about Jesus. Well, that's great. You want to, let, Let's talk about Jesus, and let's talk about the Father, and let's understand how that they are one, and, and how they work together to help you and I. But you know, what, what people want to talk about Jesus without this in some circles. And that's why we come along and say, well, you know what? You just can't do that. Now, in line with this is that we want people to understand that you really can't preach Jesus without teaching that He is the one and only. So what do we mean by that? Well, if you go to Matthew chapter 24, let's go there. Matthew chapter 24. And let's just notice a few verses there near the beginning. Look at verse 4 and 5. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4 and 5, it says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, 
For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. When we talk about Jesus and people want to talk about him, they need to emphasize that he is the one and only. And if you move on down in this same text in verse 23, he also said that if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there, do not believe it. So, what we want people to understand is that from John chapter 4, which this this lady understood, this woman at the well, is that from the prophecies of the Old Testament, let's get this point. So, in John chapter 4, let's pick it up in verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Christ? You know, the Old Testament is not talking about many messiahs that would come. It's talking about the one messiah that would that would come. And when we talk about Luke chapter 24, the interesting thing is, is that all the prophecies of the Old Testament point to this one Jesus. And you know what? I want people to understand the religious realm, especially when we get down to some of these other points tonight. You know, maybe even at this point, some of the religious groups said, oh yeah, Chuck, I'm with you on this one. Yeah, you got to preach about the Father. Mm-hmm, I understand that. And then I understand that, you know, that he's the one and only. Well, that's good because this foundation is necessary as we unfold our lesson tonight. But in the 24th chapter of Luke, chapter 24, let's pick it up in verse 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses... And all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. We're not waiting for a Messiah to come. He came. Alright, he came. There are not many Messiahs, not many Jesus that we're going to make reference to. There is the one and only that we are talking about here. And there is no other. And that's why when you get over to John chapter 14 and verse 6 where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. And then we just linked the first two points together, didn't we? I understand what Paul says, you know. We need to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We need to preach Jesus like Philip did. I'm going to start right here and I'm going to preach Jesus to you. And people in the religious realm will take that point and they'll say, well, yeah, we'll do the same. But whoa, whoa, wait a minute. If you're going to preach Jesus... You, you can't do it if you don't preach about the Father and if you don't preach about the fact that He's the only one. And let's link the three of them here, right? If you're going to teach about Jesus, you better teach about the link between Him and the Holy Spirit. It's amazing what people will want to teach about Jesus and forget about the connection between Him and the Holy Spirit. Christ had a role in helping mankind. The Holy Spirit had a help in in helping mankind. Such as what? Well, Danny and I were talking about this today. You know, John chapter 14. um, 
You know, Daniel, we're sitting out on the deck there today, and we're just talking about spiritual things. You know, and I'm not saying Danny thought this, but if Danny's sitting there going, he could be saying, Chuck, shouldn't you be going in and going over your lesson? Well, it basically was. <laughs> I was going over my lesson. You know, some of the things that we were talking about are the very things I was going to talk about tonight. And my, my mind's going over these points. Because either some essential things that, that cause the problems in the religious realm that we're trying to clear up. And that's what we're going to try to do with the TV program, with public preaching and private teaching. We're trying to clear up the con- confusion that's out there. People talk about the fact, the fact, they'll say, Chuck, you keep pointing the finger at it. You keep pointing the finger. You're building walls. And we're saying, we're not building any walls. We're identifying the walls so we can tear them down. They're already there. And so we want to help people get to heaven. Okay? So we want people to know about Jesus. And we want them to understand the relationship with the Spirit. And we don't back down from that. So John chapter 14 and in verse 26 it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, the things that I have said. In chapter 16 and verse 13 he says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will tell you things to come. Jesus. You preach about Jesus? Well, What's the relationship between Him and the Spirit? Well, Jesus said, I'm going to send the Comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come upon you guys. Really? Yeah. So we want to preach about Jesus. We're going to teach you about, we're going to teach you about the Spirit. We're going to get over to Acts chapter 1. Okay? Jesus is already resurrected. And in Acts chapter 1, He says in verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to Me in Jerusalem, and Judea and Samaria to the other parts of the earth. And then in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Save time. You know that? If not, read that. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So Danny and I were talking about that because it's one of the go-to passages, one of the go-to things that need to be understood when you're trying to help people. you got to get on common ground. And so Danny was talking about an illustration or or an example of talking with somebody uh, of of a different religion and tell them, well, well, read this passage here. And, And John, you know, they were guided into all truth. And so they were given all truth. Has, has, is there any truth yet to be revealed? And Danny was selling, selling, telling me that, they, well, they wouldn't answer. They wouldn't answer that. Well, why don't we just talk about Jesus? Whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second here. Yeah, we're, 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 we're talking about Jesus. And we're talking about Jesus' promise of sending the Holy Spirit and guiding them into all truth. And so we want people to really understand the role of the Holy Spirit and how He helps us today. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You know, people tell me all the time, they're saying, well, Chuck, you don't, you don't preach. I had a guy call me up one time. Seriously. Um, we did the TV programs, you know, like for a number of years, almost 10 years in, in Newburgh. Um, I had a guy call me and says, you know, you know what your problem is? You don't preach enough about the Holy Spirit. And I go, we talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. Sound like I'm from Kentucky. Time. <laughs> but, you know, we, we do it all the time. And, and, and it's, well, what? And so, what, what they're doing is that their go-to passage here is in Romans chapter 8 and say, well, Chuck, are you led by the Spirit? Are you led by the Spirit? Well, of course I'm led by the Spirit. But do you understand the connection between Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Because that's going to help you understand some things. Look at Romans chapter 8. We'll pick it up in verse 10. Uh, for the sake of time, that, that will suffice. We'll, we'll read about 10 through 14. Verse 10 says, and if Christ is in you, oh, that's interesting. He says, the Holy Spirit's within me. Well, well, that's good. Okay. Because he says right here, and if Christ is in you, 
The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised up Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How are you led by the Spirit? Well, when you follow the Spirit of truth, when you follow what it says right in here, you're being led by the Spirit. A lot of people want it, want it work this way. They want like they want the Spirit doing this. Open and read. Now that's not what it does. It didn't work that way. What happens is that when I read this and I obey it, now I'm being led by the Spirit. They, they, they want to work separate and apart. It doesn't work that way. And you just think of the ramifications of that. The ramifications of that is, well, what if somebody's not drawn to the Word? Is God picking and choosing who He wants to go to heaven? He doesn't want anybody to perish, Second Peter 3.9. He wants us all to go to heaven. Jesus wants us. You know, you want to preach about Jesus? Fine. Jesus, for God to love the world, there's number one, he gave His only begotten Son to whoever. So whoever believes in Him. He wants everybody to go to heaven. So yeah, I'm going to preach about Jesus. And I'm going to preach about the Spirit. And I'm going to back down from the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit can make intercession for us. And I love that in our prayers. Have you ever been in a point in your life where you didn't even know how to express how you felt? Been down that road. You guys have had heartache. We've experienced, I'm not going to get into that, because if I do that, I'm going to get a lump in my throat. I'm not going to go there. But the point is, there are times you just, you don't even know how to express how you're feeling. And I am thankful for that, that, that we have the Spirit that makes intercession for us. And I can go to Hebrews chapter 1 and the last verse. You know, people want to talk about, oh, you've got a guardian angel. Well, all I know there, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit's here to help us. But what do we have? This is why we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We want people to hear the message of Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, you can't preach Him. I'm telling you, you can't preach Jesus. Unless you preach about the Father, Jesus being the only one, and His relationship with the Spirit. Now we get down to some more nuts and bolts of the lesson. You can't preach Jesus. I, there's these, these guys are on TV. Not all TV evangelists are bad. <laughs> can't say that. I do it. But, but a lot of them, they'll get up there and they'll talk about Jesus. You need to follow Jesus. And they'll say, well, what about some of these other Eastern religions? Well, I believe they can get to God some other way, but you know, you, you, but, but if you follow Jesus, you, He'll get you. Maybe there's just some other ways, and that's fine. And what they're, what they're trying to say is that there's, there are many truths that are out there. And I'm going to tell you, when you preach Jesus, there is only one gospel. One gospel. That's what, that's what the Bible teaches. You know, and so when I think about this, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28, when we're around the Lord's table, we talk about the Lord's But he said, this is the New Testament in my blood. Jesus died, right? We know understand Jesus died. You go to Hebrews chapter 8 and 9. You know that when you have a testament, you need the death of a testator. If Josh is in my will that he can get my car, he can't come to me tonight and say, give me the keys. Josh, I'm not dead. When I die... Then my will becomes law. Do you see how important it is? Jesus died and He established His law. And that's why it's connected with... Um, I'm having some more supper tonight. Now, um, 
That's why it's connected with the previous point that there's not new revelation that's coming. No, there it comes. Okay. Um, this is powerful. Because when I think of the faith that's been delivered, Jude 3, the faith that's been once delivered to the saints. One gospel, folks. When's Chuck going to go to Galatians chapter 1? Right now. Right now. So Galatians chapter 1, great passage, because the warning that, that, that Paul was given to the brethren of Galatia, and he marveled, of course, he marveled in verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. We can't preach another gospel, but people are doing it all the time. And they're, and, and, but they're saying, well, we're preaching Jesus. It doesn't really matter what the doctrine is. Have you ever heard that before? Gospel doctrine distinction, watch out. Red flag needs to go off in your head when you hear that. There's no distinction between the gospel and the doctrine of Christ. They'll say, we, we, we need to agree on the gospel, but we can disagree on the doctrine. And I'm telling people, look, they're one and the same. And even if you say, even if you, even if you agreed with that, even if you agreed with that, you're reading a passage here that says there's no other gospel. Well, that's okay. But then, what about the doctrine? Well, Second John 9, if you don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, you don't have God. So you don't win by trying to make that distinction anyways. But the point is, if you're going to preach Jesus, you're going to preach that there's one gospel. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, the Word of truth. We're back to our previous point. You're going to see how they're connected here. That's why we're telling... You know, when you're preaching Jesus, you preach the whole package. The whole package. You don't preach Jesus in part. And that's what people are doing. That's, that's the problem. That's why there's religious division today. They think there's unity, but it's unity and diversity. They're saying... Here's Jesus, believe whatever you want about Him, but we all believe in Jesus. And I'm saying, whoa, no, 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 no. You you can't preach Jesus without preaching all these things that we're talking about here. And we're not ashamed of it. And that's what Paul said, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. People want you to feel ashamed for the gospel. It's kind of like, you know, you're, you're doing that and, and you're making it so narrow. Look at Romans chapter 1. Let's go back there quickly. I'm sorry if I'm raising my voice. I'm not raising my voice because I'm angry. You know, I always tell Debbie, it's passion, it's passion. Sometimes she says, you know, you can say it in a quieter tone. Well, that's true. Some people can. I'm not one of them. Okay, Romans chapter 1. And he, and he mentions here, I love this in verse 14. He says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks, to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are on Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greeks. And then Josh and I were joking about this verse earlier tonight. <laughs> verse 17, for it is written, uh, for in it it says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And people look at that and say, what does it mean by from faith to faith? I don't, I don't understand that. Well, remember Jude 3? The faith that's been once delivered? There are times when the faith is, is making reference to the gospel message. And when you accept that gospel message, what will it produce within you? Faith. From faith to faith. We understand that. And, and all these things are being linked together. But now, you know, it, I don't know if my voice can hold up, but with each one of these points, I'm getting more excited about them. And I know you're thinking, I hope there's not 12. But here we go. The next one is, if you're going to preach Jesus, you, you can't preach Him. 
without teaching the way to have your sins remitted. See, you, you just can't do that with Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. Okay, I get that. And, and, and we can appreciate that. Uh, we talked earlier about Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28. You know, when he talked about the New Testament in my blood, I didn't quote the rest of it, right? Which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So if you're going to preach Jesus, people are going to say, well, you know, when we preach Jesus, we talk about Jesus in our religion. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're going to preach Jesus, you pick a, any religion that's out there, denominations that are out there. So you're going to preach Jesus? Yeah, we preach Jesus. Well, then you're going to have to preach how your sins are remitted because Jesus is directly linked with that. There, there's no other way. He shed His blood for what? The remission of of our sins. That, that's what the Scriptures are teaching. Over in Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Let's just go over there quickly. Hebrews chapter 9, he mentions here, in verse 22, And according to the law, almost all things are purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And so we've been emphasizing how that we need the remission of our sins, because sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. So what do you have? You have in Acts chapter 2, and in verse 37, they were pricked in their heart and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And they were told to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for what? The remission of your sins. It didn't say there, you know, you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Or, or say this, this sinner's prayer. You know, I remember I was in the fifth grade up in Canada at the time. You know, the Gideons gave us this little this little Bible, New Testament. And I can remember opening it up when I was in the fifth grade. And it says, you know, say these words and this is the day you're saved. Say these words. You know, and, and a lot of people are, 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 are teaching this in pulpits across the land. And they'll tell me, if you, if you just believe in Jesus, because they're saying, look, Chuck, we, we preach Jesus too where we're at. And I go, well, that's great. I want you to preach about Jesus, but you can't do it without preaching about the remission of sins and how it is connected with Jesus is the point. They want to preach remission of sins that's not connected with Jesus. In Acts 22.16, you have Saul, which is a great, great story. I don't have time. You guys know it. Acts chapter 9, Saul's conversion. He hears Jesus. Who art thou, Lord? I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. What do you want me to do, Lord? Ah, oh, you just confessed me. So you believe in me now, do you? Jesus didn't say that, by the way. But the point is, he's acknowledging Jesus. He believes in Jesus. And what do you want me to do, Lord? I oh, go into the city and be told what you need to do. Well, I was actually going to go down there to persecute Christians. But you know what? I'm going to do what you want me to do now because that's repentance. And I go in the city and he's praying for three days. Now listen, if you're Saul, you were there when Stephen was being stoned. When Stephen was preaching about Jesus. What would you be praying for three days? And especially when, when Jesus said, you wait there and it's going to be told what you need to do. Oh, I hope they don't tell me to do this. I hope he doesn't tell me. I don't know what, I know I'm sitting there thinking for three days after all the bad stuff I was doing against Jesus and his followers. I'm thinking, forgive me, I'm sorry, I don't know, I hope you don't ask me to do this. I don't know what it is. But I know this much. 
whatever he said for three days praying, didn't remove one sin. Because in Acts 22.16, the preacher comes and says, Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. And wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. But people are, people are being told out there, You need to follow Jesus. And you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And I, I like the idea. Jesus, You should take it personally, because He died for all of us. I'm not belittling that aspect. But I'm saying, look, if you're going to preach Jesus, you better preach the mission of sins. And how it's connected with Him. And you need to be covered by the blood of Christ. Which is interestingly enough, because in Acts chapter 8, when you have verse 35 and verse 36, when you have a preacher preaching to this man, and it says he started at this scripture and preached Jesus to him, what do you think he said? I don't know. Well, the next verse says, well, there, the student says, well, there's water, what hinders me from being baptized? Well, where'd you get that idea? Where'd that come from? You just pull that out of the air? He said, this Ethiopian, he's lost his mind. He didn't lose his mind. He's listening to the preacher. He's listening to the preacher, understanding that a person has to be baptized for the remission of their sins. That's not the only thing, because, you know, you, you could go down to a dry center and come up a wet center, which reminds me of tomorrow night's lesson. Entitled, Is Your Baptism Hindering You from Being Baptized? Think about that one for a bit. Okay, stop thinking now because we've got to get back to this. Alright. Jude 3 also mentioned that there is a common salvation. This is important. Because if you come in here and you say, Hi Chuck, I'm a Christian. Hey, that's great. I know exactly what you did to become a Christian. You just met me tonight. Well, the Bible says there's common salvation. Everybody gets, Everybody becomes a Christian the exact same way. Because there was a time when it was uncommon salvation. When was that? Well, Jesus told the rich man, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, come and follow me. Is the Lord telling you to literally go sell everything you have and give to the poor? Is that what he's saying? You know, there was a time when, when Jesus was on the face of this earth, he had the power to forgive. But I'm going to tell you, when Jesus died and resurrected and went back to heaven, everybody became a child of God the exact same way, and that's why it's called common salvation. Well, let's move on. You can't preach Jesus. You can't. I'll tell them, you can't preach Jesus without preaching about the church that he built. But people are doing it. We preach Jesus where we come from. And I'll go, wow, that's great. Where do you attend? Really? Where's that in the Bible? I'll say, where is that in the Bible? See, see, what you're doing is you want to preach Jesus, you want to separate Him from the church that He said in Matthew 16, verse 18, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I'm, I'm going to build my church. The house that I live in, it's mine. Well, okay, it's ours. You know, when something's mine, it's not yours. And when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, we learn when that happened in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 where he said he purchased the church with his own blood. The church means the called out, his special people. We're not talking about this. We're talking about his special people, the spiritual body. And when people become Christians, how does that happen? Remember point number five? Okay, point number five. When people have their sins remitted, Acts 2 verse 47, and the Lord adds them to the church. 
Those who are daily, those who are being saved. I wonder what church that is. You know, from a biblical standpoint, it's kind of funny when somebody says to me, well, what church do you belong to? Well, there's only one church. There's only one. The one Jesus built. Everybody's going, well, they're all Jesus' church. Well, wait a minute. Because what I read in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 is that Jesus is the head of the church. Matthew 28 and verse 18, Jesus has all the authority. So this congregation right here, even though I'm invited and I don't know everybody, you don't make the rules. Jesus does. He's the head of this church. Now, if you're doing something that He didn't authorize, then you just become a religious sect. But a church that belongs to Jesus listens to Jesus in all things. He has the authority. And so that's why I didn't drive down here and Josh says, hey, you're going to come and hold us a meeting? I didn't drive around the corner and says, well, that's weird. I thought it would say Josh's church. I didn't say that. Lakeside, location, near lake. Sure, there's one around here. <laughs> okay. Um, church. That's Christ. The church of means belonging to. The church that belongs to Christ. And that's when Paul, when he traveled around and he sent greetings in Romans 16, 16, he said, the churches of Christ salute you or greet you. The churches that are Christ. You know, I've had the question we've answered on the TV program. Well, Chuck, are all churches of Christ the same? They weren't even the same in the New Testament. Have you read the New Testament? Would you love to have been a, a member of the church at Laodicea? Man, nice group of people here, but man, they're just dead. They're lukewarm. Have you been to Ephesus? Would you like to have been a member there? Oh boy, they really stand for the truth, but man, they, they don't have any love. they got no love for each other. You know, they were told to change, right? Remember Galatia? You know, you, you don't preach another, uh, preach another gospel. You know, people are coming in and you're believing it. You read Corinthians. Boy, you talk about a problem. Would you love to have been a member at Corinth? Wow. I mean, there's all kinds of problems there. But they were written, or, or, or inspired letters were written to them to get them to repent and change and toe the line. What line? The line that Jesus established. His doctrine. He's the head of it. It belongs to Him. And so it's a body, it's a family, yes, on a universal level, but on a local level. Local churches are autonomous, they're self-governing. There is no head church anywhere. And I just preached a lesson at home about that. You know, people thinking, you know, what, what keeps us in check? You need a head church. And of course, at the beginning of the sermon, I said, when somebody told me one time, and they did, you need a head church to keep you guys in check. And I go, well, well who keeps them in check? Yeah. There's no head organization. We're not sending funds to some uh, church somewhere else and let them govern and make decisions. We follow Jesus. And so, we preach Jesus here. Because we teach about the church that's His, that He built, that we can become a part of. Well, what's, what else? Yeah, what is this? Does He have 20 points? No. This is it. Teaching that there is a reward waiting. You know, there's... There's rewards that we're enjoying now. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. We have all these spiritual blessings that are found in Christ. By the way, there's only two verses in the whole New Testament that tells you how to get into Christ. Right? Romans 
6.3, Galatians 3.27, you're baptized into Christ. I can believe in Jesus. I can confess Him. I can repent and turn towards Him. But I can only be baptized into Him. And, and Ephesians chapter 1 says, all spiritual blessings are found in Christ. So if you're not in Christ, how many spiritual blessings are you enjoying? Zero. So we need to be in Christ. And so all these spiritual blessings, such as forgiveness of sin, but... Uh, so we have temporary ones, but we also that have that, that blessed hope. I'm, I'm turning over to Philippians chapter 4 for just a moment. Philippians chapter 4, and he mentions here in verse 7, I've been very patient, we're almost done. Verse 7 uh, makes reference to, ah, that's not the one I wanted, my mind's going 100 miles an hour. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Look. When we talk about the blessings that we receive by being in Christ, there's, there's motivation. There's, there's the reward. We mentioned it a little bit earlier, right? No man comes unto the Father except through me. We want to get to the Father. What did he start out that chapter saying? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And so, even though he said, get this, in my Father's house are many mansions. But I thought over there in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 13 and 14, it's a narrow road that leads to life and there's only a few there be that find it. So why is there only a few, but why are there many mansions? Few, many. Because there's room for everybody. There's room for you. There's room for me. And so happy, having that, that focus... Um, okay, I'm multitasking up here. You don't even know it. I'm in Philippians chapter 3. There we go. Phew. Okay, Philippians chapter 3. What do we have here, beginning in verse 13? Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There are many blessings we enjoy being a part of a spiritual family. I love my church family. And I love the fact that we can pray for one another. You know, you get over to James chapter 5, verse 16. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We pray for one another. We bear one another's burdens. Man, I have some lessons on that. I just We just really need to build the bonds up here. But value the church. But value the blessings that we have. Value the hope that we have. Uh, that he talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And then the, right at the very end. You know, we have this goal. Keeping our eye on the mark. And so we're going to talk about the rewards. That, that, that's waiting for us, ultimately, in heaven. All right. You say, well, Chuck, you're done, right? Well, pretty much. But you know what? We went everywhere preaching the Word tonight. Didn't we? We went all over. Wouldn't it have been cool if an inspired writer just would have condensed all these points into one little passage just to make this? Yeah, that would have been perfect. Well, what do you know? He did. You knew that. You knew it all along. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Sound familiar? Look, we have in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling wherewith you were called, with all lowliness and gentle with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body. There is one Spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. And so what we had is, 
Paul, the very things that we talked about tonight are found in that one passage, and it's all the ones we looked at one through seven on your right hand on your left hand side and said, Man, that looks pretty narrow. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. The word one is pretty narrow. How much is one? Um less than two and more than zero. That's what I know. It's absolute, okay? And the but in the religious realm, I want to talk about this stuff. You know, I, I just want to talk about Jesus. You, Chuck, you're getting me sidetracked. And so, well, wait a minute. You want to talk about Jesus? You need to understand that all these other things need to be taught. And this is exactly what Paul was trying to tell the Ephesian brethren. And what does that do? You know what that does? It mentioned it in this text. It promotes unity. No. We're not pointing the finger at all this religious error to create barriers. I'm not doing that. When we start the TV program, it's going to be Bible question and Bible answer every week. And we're going to expose things that people are teaching. But why are we doing that? Because we want them to see what the Word of God has to say. We want people to have the truth because all I know is it's only the truth that will set us free. My pastor's not going to set me free. My preacher's not going to set me free. My mom and dad are not going to set me free. All my friends are not going to set me free. And my church isn't going to set me free. It's the truth that Jesus revealed that will set us free. And I want you to hold on to that, brethren. And I want you folks that are not Christians to seriously give this some thought. Keep an open mind. And receive Jesus for who He really is. And tonight, if you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Jesus. Not come to me. Not come to the church. We're not trying to convert you to the church. We want you to come to Jesus. Convert you to Jesus. That's why people were taught Jesus. That's why Paul said, you know, I just want to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But people want to oversimplify that and eliminate things. I want to be a Christian, which means I want to be Christ-like. And we want you to put on Christ tonight. If you're not a Christian, if you're a child of God that's gone wayward, you need to come back to the fold. You need to be restored, as James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 says. Cover a multitude of sins. We can pray with you, pray for you. And brethren, let us not be ashamed of the gospel. Let us stand up for Jesus. Let's preach Jesus the way He wants us to. If you're subject in any way, let it be known as we stand together to sing the song that was announced.